Hi, welcome to this special edition of Retro Sonic Podcast. I'm Steve from the Retroman blog, and this is slightly different to the recent lockdown lowdown series that I've been doing, um, because it's dedicated to the Galileo 7. For yes, it's the band's 10th anniversary, and uh, to celebrate, I'm very pleased to welcome into our virtual studio, Alan and Viv from the Galileo 7. Hi, Hello. both of you. All right. Good to see you. You know, I mean, Retroman blog and Retro Sonic Podcast, we've been big fans of the Galileo 7 over the years. And I think one thing that I really like about your band is it takes me back a little bit to the good old days where you've got a good back catalogue built up now and it's, it's a lot of contemporary bands that I like they either release a, one good album or they rehash the same album two or three times or they're searching for the original authentic sound of the 50s or 60s and but you know you as a band you've actually progressed with each album you know you, you can feel as a fan that you you follow the band evolving um, live. I think you have, and obviously with the lineup you have, and with each album, and it's it's sort of quite rare in, nowadays that you get a band doing that. And I and I think that um, it's sort of testament to what you've been doing that you know each album is different, and each album you feel like there's a progression. Yeah. Thank you very much. Well, I don't know if progression because progression implies that what was earlier isn't quite as good as what we do now. I mean, I I, I just think it's we do what we do. I write the songs and the band plays them. And I don't I think maybe the way each one's recorded slightly differently might make it, well, give have, it a different flavour, I suppose, and be different. They have evolved a bit. I mean, the, the first album is essentially we recorded your demos. I mean, yeah. with, with the one exception of Orangery Lane, I think, where there weren't any keyboards on that at all. And I, they just they just popped into my head out of nowhere. And I really, really, really like that song. Um, but essentially, yeah, we moved from doing versions of your demos to sort of putting our own yeah. imprints on things as each album has gone yeah, on. That's really. the way it's developed, I think. It's more of a band thing. Um, yeah, but the first album, I've mu- although pretty much all those songs already existed in demo form and you'd be hard-pressed to kind of tell the difference in some cases because obviously it's me singing, playing guitar um, and recording it kind of the same way. It's just that they've got, you know, a live drummer on it rather than me cack-handedly playing or you know drum loops or whatever and they're not almost note for note you know the demos and the, the band versions are very very similar so i suppose that's that's but i think that album's really i do like that album so when you yeah. started i mean your your history is well documented alan you know the prisoners the solar flares etc um james Taylor quartet which you can hear about in our Retrosonic podcast special edition with you, uh, Graham Day and Wolf Howard. So, and you can check out all your your back catalogue. But uh, so with Galileo Seven, this is the first time you sort of uh, stepped out on your own as a singer songwriter. And did you have any sort of concept for the band when you started? Did you have a, a big grand plan, or was it just something that evolved naturally? Well, it's definitely a natural thing because I didn't really, I didn't even start writing songs till I was, you know, forty years old or whatever. I thought. <laughs> Must, I must be able to do this. I must have absorbed enough over the years to be able to give it a go. But it wasn't until a, a stable, I was in the Stabilisers and contributed a, a few songs to that band and also got myself some recording software. And that, that was what enabled me to make demos at home. I just thought I was making demos 
I didn't realise after I'd done a couple of songs that I'd actually written songs. It's, it's, it's quite difficult to sort of uh, explain. So that's it. I make demos. I don't think of myself as a songwriter particularly. I, I sort of go and have a few ideas and then play around and a song comes out and that's the way I do it. And I, would, I probably wouldn't do it without being able to make a recording. Yeah. So I didn't have any plans, but I just amassed tons of demos, which I'll put on MySpace. And back in the day. Back in the day. And then when my time in the stabilizers was, was over, but I thought, well, what do I do next? And the obvious thing to do next was dig those songs out and get some other people to play them with me. Mm. So there was no plan. It was more a case I've got a big backlog of songs and might as well do something with them. And there was tons, nice. there was dozens of them. Yeah. So you got in um, Viv on the keyboards and Mole was playing bass. No, it was Paul. Paul's on the bass initially. Russ Bax was on drums. Uh, and that lineup went from for the first two albums, essentially. But Paul was such a busy bloke. You know, he always had tons of other bands that he was earning... <laughs> you know actually making a kind of semi-living out of it and you don't make money <laughs> you don't make money being in a band like the Galileo 7 <laughs> so I think he it, it, it had to take a sort of a sabbatical really mm. so that's when Mole joined because yeah. we recorded the second album at the studio not well it was actually someone's front room with the tape deck but it was him and Marty from the higher state so that's when we first got in touch with Mole although I knew him from years before vaguely and when we were looking for a, a bass player you know, at that point, just but you know, just as we finished that album, and luckily he said he'd do it. You know, and he did it per- perfectly. So that was the, the the second version of the band. So the first album you released was Are We Having Fun Yet? Yeah. Uh, I said 10 years ago. You know, let's, let's sort of look at the album and, and sort of pick a track that you were really sort of happy with and thought, yeah, this is what I want to play. This is, this is great. This is, this has worked. Um, well, I, I wouldn't say I ever sort of think, yeah, this is, this is great because I'm too, I'm too self-critical for that sort of thing. So, I mean, I do like a lot of those songs and I like the way they turned out, but there's, there's a couple on there that I just think this, this is real good fun. And uh, I'm going to say one called, Something Else, which is a bit of a straightforward pop song, but it's got, I like something about it, and it's got her one. Well, I love playing Something Else live, which we used to do quite a bit, and then you ditched it. Because I couldn't remember the words, <laughs> yeah, ever. Yeah. I, used to have a, I used to have a cribless down at the bottom of the microphone, but I couldn't read we'll it. get someone to hold it up, yeah. But um, I really, really like Orange Lane on on that album, because for a number of reasons. One, it was the, the, the name of my, the very first band I was in, um, it's named after a street in Elton where I grew up um, and B is I thought it was such a good song and I, I could barely really play the keyboards at that when we first started I mean bass is my instrument um, decided to play keys 
the Galileo 7, when you wrote our poetry line, you didn't have, you didn't have a keyboard part and yeah. this, this, this part just sort of leapt out at me and uh, it worked, it, it, it made it good and then that was a, a very firm favourite live for a, yeah, it was. a long while, wasn't it? I think that was the first song of ours that got played on the radio as well. Bob Harris played it. And he said it sounded a bit like early Pink Floyd and we thought, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <Lucky. laughs> yeah. Well, so they're, they're both great tracks. So let's have a little medley of the, the two of them. Let's hear Orange Lane, But um, before that, let's hear something else.
So the next album came in 2012, Staring at the Sound. Tell us about the album. Was it sort of recorded? Was it a lot of your home demos again? Or did you had you started to record and rehearse as a band? And um, Mostly, I think, again, most of them were started as demos. Um, and we decided to record it at Mole's, uh, Mole and Marty's eight-track studio because Glenn, Groovy Uncle, had done just done a single down there. And I think it really suited his sound. And... Um, I mean, I'm not that keen on that album. I like the songs on it. I think there's, there's some good ones, some really good ones on there, but it falls a little bit short for me because I couldn't do what we really wanted to do. It was, just wasn't enough, weren't enough tracks. I like having loads of harmonies, double-tracked and all sorts of overdubs. And it's quite stark um, and it wasn't really what I wanted it to be. Well, it was difficult getting everyone and now, together yeah, as always because it... When we recorded it, it was the height of winter, it started to snow, and I think Russ was just about to have another child, and he was like, yeah, yeah. we've got to get, get this done really quickly because I've got to get back before I get snowed in and miss the birth of my child. <laughs> so yeah. there was that. And, uh, there was lots of little sessions like, over a long period, and whereas like, with the first album, most of the sub- subsequent ones, we get the backing tracks down, and then it's all dubbed over at our house, so I can do it all the time whenever we feel like it. So there's that element of not being completely happy with everything that happened on it. Yeah, I think it just lacks a little bit of spark compared to the first one. And my, my regret about it is that the songs on it deserved slightly better. That's what it is, I think. That staring at the sound thing has, has kind of bugged me for years. So over, over the course of lockdown, we've actually re-recorded four of those songs. This is an exclusive. This is exclusive, you know. Um, well, it's not that because two, two of them have been put, you know, made videos for two of them and put them on the on YouTube. So we've got four of those songs that I, of the ones that I think we really could have done them better and we're going to put them out somehow, you know, maybe as a little digital EP or maybe, on, maybe as a four-track EP on vinyl, you know, if there's any economic sense in it. But um, to kind of set the record... A little bit straight, I suppose, by doing versions that are closer to what I would have hoped at the time. There are some others that I'd quite like to do again, but, you know, maybe if this lockdown continues or whatever. But you know. can't do more time again. That, no, that, more, again that was... no, more time is really good. I, that's that's the best one on it, I think. Yeah. And I like Paradise cause, um, just because the little middle eight that I thought... Oh, it's uh, a weird one. It's yeah. one of those weird songs. You could say it's atypical of us, but nothing is particularly typical. But, yeah. We have a little medley of um, the, the two picks there were More Time and Paradise, taken yep. from the second album, Staring at the Sound. Grace with a smile 
Yeah, I mean, the next album, False Memory Lane, followed a couple of years later. I, I mean, I think just up the ante completely, you know. Again, I'm not, I, it's difficult when you, you're talking to, to bands and you're saying that, you know, there is a progression. It doesn't necessarily mean that the early stuff is not good or anything, but it, you can you can just sense that there's there's something different and there's an improvement as such. But with this False Memory Lane album, I think it really did lift the band up another level. I mean, did were you, yeah. were you happy with the album? Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. It was... Um... I got my first lead Yes. <laughs> I just wanted it to be at least as good as the first one because I thought the first one was a really good album. Was, you know, that was as good as I could make it at the time. And I wanted it to the third one to be back to that sort of level and hopefully better. So yeah, I was I was pleased with that one. So was this about was this the time when you changed lineup with Mole switching to drums? No, uh, Mole's on the Mole plays bass on the Force Memory Lane. And that and that was kind of why in the end that we parted company with Russ because we just made this really good album. We wanted to do, you know, as many gigs as we could. And uh, unfortunately, because he also plays in Secret Affair, you know, just as it came out, he said, um, oh, I, can't, I can't do any gigs for six months because Secret Affair just booked gigs for every weekend until Christmas. And he thought, we can't, we can't not play because, because of Secret Affair. Um, so that was a big downer because I didn't think, well, what do we do? But in the Italy, well, hang on, Mole's, Mole's, Mole's a drummer. Because he did stand in for us once when we did a little tour in Italy years ago. So we knew he was a good drummer um, and he knows all the songs. So we said, well, if, you, if we can get a bass player, I just asked Paul again, you know, because um, it wasn't like he left you know, under a cloud. It's just he couldn't do the gigs. But he'd, we, we found out that he was less busy than he had been. And he said... He'd love to come back and play for what would initially be a run of gigs with that lineup, so he could at least play songs from that album. 
he could see that there. He, he thought within your album there was a there was a nice little earner, did he? Was that? He <laughs> I don't think earner comes into it, Steve. You know, you know the music biz. We do it because we enjoy it. Well, I, I think this is a fantastic album. You know, I love it, and the cover art is great as well. You know, it's it's got a fantastic cover. Mm-hmm. Um, that was Daryl as well, wasn't it? Who did the artwork for that? Oh, yeah. Daryl. Daryl and his stock photographs. That um, that spaceman that's on the front coincidentally appeared on someone else's album just almost exactly the same time. Ah. Uh, it's really weird because they was also. I'm sure they were like a like on Facebook. They were a, a friend of the Galano Seven. You know that you follow people because it just popped up. There's bloody. There's our spaceman floating above <laughs> a, an Arctic lake. You know, that's pretty good as well. I do recognise it. Oh, yeah, that's our spaceman floating, uh, which was really weird. But, um, you know, great minds, I suppose. Yeah. Well, again, let's have a couple of tr- your, your pick of the pops from um, False Memory Lane. My cover is blown. I just love playing that live. Yeah. I also really, really like, don't know what I'm waiting for, because that was, Alan wrote that specifically for, for me to sing. So um, I did. Yeah. And I wrote it miles before the band started as well, which is kind of, Odd that I would have thought of that, but I did, and I've got you know the demo of me sing features me singing as a slightly feminine sort of. Thing. <laughs> it was supposed to be like a primitive song, really. That's why all the songs I write for them, I think I'll, I'll start with the primitives and sort of work backwards from there. The yeah, all the dance <laughs> Then that was your first lead vocal, was it? Viv, your first recorded yeah. lead vocal. Yeah. My cover is blown. Is your choice? <laughs> you go. You just that was a little aside that. The album featured the one that we've sang because I've chosen I'm Still Here. Oh, yeah. That would be my choice. I'm just really, I, I really like that song. Melon, it's a kind of reminds me of late 60s kinks, that sort of slightly melancholic sort of the party's over type, um, sort, you know, like Vic, like um, Arthur, you know, that sort of period of kinks. Um, wasn't intentional, but it does remind me a bit. And I like the fact that there's a twin guitar, lead guitar solo in the middle that I edited the middle bit to be twice as long after we recorded it when I realised the guitar solo had to be twice as long. So, um, yeah, and I just, I just, I just like it. Well, I, to, to sort of um, to mediate, let's let's uh, let me let me choose my favourite song, and I'm going to go for Viv's lead vocal, and then you can both have your choices as well. How about that? <laughs> Whatever you want. You're the boss. It's your show. Yeah.
So I'm gathering dust and starting to rust But I'm not inert and it all still works Maybe I've had my day but I lie here awake Thinking about all the things still left to say Well, there, yeah, there we go. In uh, the best uh, aspects of diplomacy, we uh, picked a track each to stop any arguments there, and uh, and to shoehorn in another great track. So, um, so we have my cover is blown. Um, I don't know what I'm waiting for with Viv on lead vocals, and I'm still here. And that's uh, taken from the album False Memory Lane. Um, but I said that's that's a, that's a great record. Love that one. So, Live Graphic was your fourth album. Um, I said when you, you revisited some of the old songs. When Mole became the drummer and, and we decided to stick with that lineup, um, that was one of the things that made it Cause that's, work. Yeah, because that sort of thing would happen a lot. Yeah, because he, you know, we could go off slightly on one and he would always stick with it. Because yeah. he's, a, he's, a, he's a bass player and a guitarist and a singer as well as a drummer. So he knows how songs work and he knows how to carry things going and enjoy the moment. So it opened the door to doing a few more things live. He's really that, enthusiastic. And, yeah, yeah, enthusiastic. And that was why we did live a graphic in the end, because the way we played live just kicked up 100%. And I just thought, well, it'd be great to just knock out these tunes that we're currently playing in the set on a record, kind of recorded live, and capture that some of that energy that we've got right at this second. It's a strange thing to do for an album, you know, in retrospect. 
because uh, I think we did it more for us than for the listeners, and especially judging by sales of that album. <laughs> it's not it's not our bestseller, but I'm glad we did it because yeah. it just captures a particular moment of excitement in the band. Give us a couple of tracks from from this record where you know you think that they they trump the earlier recordings. I think mostly all of them do, um, but I particularly like the first track on side one, "Never Go Back," which is which was also the first, pretty much the first track the band ever played when we first started rehearsing. And this the version that we did on there, it just smashes the hell out of the original, and it just captures the, the energy that Mold brings to the band. It mm. just teeters on the edge of chaos. It just, I think that's, I just, I think it's great. Well, let's hear that. Let's hear the live graphic version. And now we're coming up to one of, I mean, this is a great record that's coming out now. This is um, Tear Your Minds Wide Open 2017. Now, this record is is just one of my absolute favourites. I mean, again, not going on to the fact that you're improving and improving all the time, but this album, I thought, was just fantastic. You know, it's a, it's a great record. What, what did you feel about this when you finished this? You, I love it. I think, it's, yeah. I, think it's, I think it's the first one for me where I think, yeah, that's, you know, that's the, what I've been kind of wanting to do all along. Um, and it's a band, although it's still my songs, but it's more of a band thing 
I don't make detailed demos anymore. I just do a rough kind of demo and then give it to everyone and people just learn their own version of it and then we come together and play it together as a band and that um, takes a bit away, you know, I'm not so finicky anymore about getting it what I exactly want. It's more a case of, you know, there's the pretty good outline of it, let's make it our own. The only thing about that was it took quite a long time. It took uh, a long time because I was just always so busy at work. Oh. If that album's taught me one thing, is like, yeah, don't let work get in the way <laughs> too much of anything. It's just not worth it. It took a long time, but, it, you know, it was worth it in the end. Because they are great songs, I love them. Yeah, and I think it's a really strong album. And I love the fact that the bonus track on that CD is, like, the longest thing ever. <laughs> 11 minutes. <laughs> yeah. um, I like that. And I like the fact that we took, I took um, a three-minute section from that bonus track and turned it into an extra song for the album. So I like that sort of creativity of it, just taking a, like a, a bit of the drums from that bonus track and then putting another track on top of it that turned into Nobody Knows Anything. And this is where you did The, the Girl in a Glass Case. This was your little tribute to, I suppose, The Gift by Velvet Underground, wasn't it? This was like a, yeah. a sort of story put to, to ambient music yeah. You know, it was uh... yeah that story was originally going to be the sleeve notes for the senior services first album oh yeah yeah same title but i rejected it because <laughs> it was a bit long because it was too long and had nothing to do with what they recorded but i, I didn't want to waste it so, so we, got, we got my sister-in-law in on the to do the uh the talk over parts um she's a voiceover artist the girl in the glass case considered her surroundings an apparently empty space save for the chair on which she found herself sitting. A repetitive throb vibrated from the floor through her bare feet. I know you were saying it took a long time to record, but it really sounds like a live band. It's got that energy. Well, it only took a long time in that there's lots of gaps between sessions. The actual backing tracks took no, no longer than normal. It's actually getting together to do the, the other bits on it that took months and months, you know, weeks, months. And that's why it took so long. And the, but the really good thing about that album was that we managed to persuade uh, Damaged Goods to put it out rather than having to do it ourselves. And I think that also helped us a lot. And they decided to do it because I sent them, a, you know, so look, because he turned this, Ian has turned this down before. He said, you know, it's not, I like Gallo's said, but it's not really a damaged goods type of music, really. Mm. Um, but I did, I sent him some MP3s of it and he'd come straight back, yeah, we put this out. So that was a, a really good thing. Um, and I'm glad we, we've managed to do that. I got to play the bass on it. Yeah, playing bass again. That's my original instrument. So, uh, oh, which track did you play bass on on this album? Viv? Everything keeps keeps coming round again. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a great track, isn't it? I mean, I, uh, it's one of my picks as well. So, so, I mean, I, I I think I could probably do a podcast just on this album alone. You know, I just play the whole thing. But time restraints won't allow me to at the moment. But uh, I, I think that that's a great track. Everything keeps coming round again. The title track is brilliant. Cold Heart is Stowaway. Yeah. Great, great tracks, you know. And um, we play quite a few live. Isn't yeah, we still do. Yeah, the mask has turned yeah. into a bit of a live favourite over the years as well. Well, the mask yeah. would be my pick because I think that, that to me is what you would call like 
an album centerpiece. You know, if you have one of these things where, you know, it's it's an epic track, you know, it, it's it's who like in a way that it just crams everything in. You know, it's more like a, a little mini opera, I think. You know, it's it's such a fantastic song and and it also works really well live. You know, it um it's a real highlight. Well I I'd go for the mask as my pick. Obviously we've got to hear Viv's space. Well I picked the, the title track, Tell Your Mind uh, You Tell My Mind Wide Open. Okay, well, I'll, um, I'll, I'll pick a little medley. And I'll, really, everyone, if you haven't got the album, go and buy the album, you know, get, get the whole thing. And, um, and you get a free CD with it. Oh, yeah, of course.
Come up to date with um, the current album, which was um, released last year. There is only now, and again, this this um, expands on "Tell Your Minds Wide Open." It's uh, there's a lot of textures to this album. I think this is my favourite album of all the ones we've done. I love actually. it as much as the last one. I like, um, I like both of them, but I think this this one edges it. I, I think it's got more of a. Uh, they all sound like they were recorded kind of together, which is mainly is true because I decided that the last album had taken far too long. So I started writing this one as soon as the, the one before was out and we started recording beginning of 2018 as much and recorded as quickly as we can under the circumstances of us all having jobs and responsibilities and and it was done by the end of the year that was including writing demoing backing tracks overdubs mixing mastering getting it all ready i mean it didn't come out till the summer but that's just the way it is with with labels they they have to sort of plan far you know quite far ahead especially with pressing plants being so oversubscribed these days it, it, booking time to press records is uh, it's a drawback of the format these days there just aren't enough pressing plants to cover the the resurging demand for vinyl but yeah it's yeah i, I really like that album it's, yeah, it's it just edges it as my favorite of the of the six and then you're back with damaged goods for this album as well yes yeah yeah for for uh yeah for there is only now no, i think we'll stick with them for original albums because i think that just the, the coverage is just better it saves me having to spend half my life packing up records and taking them down to the post office and <laughs> trying to get distributors to take them because that's what you pay a record and that's what you you know a record label takes half the, the money for and i'm happy to do that if it sells more and we get reach more people well so and again there's another difficult album to choose tracks from um because there's so many there it's one of those where they're pretty much all could be singles in their own rights you know a lot of these tracks you know and uh, i like um everything is everything else yeah. that's my that's my favorite one that was my favourite one, yeah. Oh, is it? Yeah, I love that track. And um, played it live as well. Yeah, it's a shame in a way, isn't it, that this is the sort of current album and you, you can't get out of there and, and play the songs at the moment, you know, because I'd, it's just so... Yeah, rare. what can you do? Um, we came out in July, I think, and we probably, I, I suppose, we probably only did half a dozen gigs between that and, you know, being shut down. But we had started doing playing songs from the album yeah. quite a long time before before it came out. 
Well, me and Viv are going to go for everything is everything else. And how about you, Alan? What's your... Um, your... Uh, it was very difficult for me, but I'm going to go for an off-the-ball choice, which is the last hours of all is Huxley, because it's kind of not nothing like we've done on any of the other albums, acoustics and bongos and stuff like that. I kind of wanted a bit of a cross between Crosby, Stills and Mash and the Dukes of Stratosphere, I think. Um, <laughs> that's, what, that's what it's ended up like, anyway, and I really like it. Well, again, to be diplomatic and to get another song in, um, I'll give um, Everything Is Everything Else to Viv. We'll give you the last hours of Aldous Huxley and I'll pick Dandy and Aspic. That's one of my favourites as well, so That's well Megan, done. Megan's favourite. Well, yeah, let's dedicate that to Megan. I shouldn't get your album on her birthday. <laughs> Everything is everything else Everything that could 
Well, thank you so much um, for your time, Viv and Alan, and uh, it's been great going through a little bit of the Galileo 7 um, back catalogue to celebrate your 10th anniversary and your new album, Decade, which is out now. Here it is, lovely, lovely vinyl on Fool's Paradise Records, your own label. And to play us out, again, this is an almost impossible task, but if someone hasn't heard the Galileo 7 before, Pick a song that you think is that sort of sums up the very essence of, of what you do. That's a, we kind of an impossible thing to do, really, but... We did kind of agree in the We kind of, yeah, I think we agreed that it would be one light at a time. Not necessarily because it's the best song or... I, don't, I think it's a pretty good song, but because it's kind of got the elements of what I think are best about us. It's got energy, you know, there's nice, lots of little bits in the song where it twists and turns a little bit and it's got harmonies and... And we still play it live, which I think is a good test that it's, uh, you know, that it's a good song. Um, and it was the first single, it's the first proper recording we did as a band. Um, and it's the only time we recorded stuff completely in a proper studio. Those two songs, that A and B side, Bad One Night at a Time and God of Gaps, the only ones we've recorded in the studio completely at Jim Riley's studio. So, yeah, a Ranscombe studio. So it's, uh, I think that's, that's about as good as any of them. Well, that's a good yeah. choice. Unless you exercise your editorial judgment and say, no, we're going to play something else. <laughs> well, I might just do that. I, I think if I was to pick a track, it would be The Mask, but we've already covered that one. Um, but So if I, we've already done that one, then I'm going to put in Too Late. Um, I think that's a fantastic track. And you're going to go for One Lie at a Time. And uh, don't forget to um, check out retromanblog.com where I'll put a feature with all the links to Galileo 7 and uh, uh, maybe I'll throw in a couple of their videos as well on there for, um, uh, for your entertainment. Um, so i just like to say thank you very much, Alan, and thank you, Viv, for your time. It's been great fun. Thank and you. Thanks for Cheers. All the best. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you.